0: Lord is with me. That is what fortitude is. I hope you had a wonderful time of worship and we continue in the mood of worship again as we listen, hear the word of God. Let's stop for a moment of prayer. Almighty God, we just give ourselves and your hands so that you may speak to us. Lord, we pray that. Your spirit will continue to deal with us, and the voice we hear will be that of the Holy Spirit, not of any human being. We pray, O Lord, that you will help us to understand, hear, pay attention, and take heed of what we hear, so that we may grow in the likeness, more and more in the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Let your name be glorified, O Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. The last song that we sang goes very much, ties up very much with what I want to preach today. That is an affirmation that God is good. And in fire, and as we go through, face winds in life, storms in life, still, God is good. For a few Sundays, if possible, I would like to focus on the seven virtues the church, the Christian church, has been preaching about teaching. Now, the reason for this is uh, rather accidental. On every Wednesday, we have a small group of people who come here to study a book. The purpose is, it's not a Bible study as such. The purpose is to learn from what other Christian thinkers, writers, uh, have wrote, and to learn from their wisdom, and also from the Bible as well. Last Sunday, we are are reading now C.S. Lewis's book on mere Christianity, which lays out in a very simple and very brief manner all the foundations, all that we need to know as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, we had a wonderful time when we were talking about, when we studied about forgiveness. It opened our eyes because we had many things that we didn't really know. We learned about that. And the the week before that, we learned about marriage. And the week before that, we talked about, we heard, we read about sexual morality and all that. During the course of time, we stumbled upon a chapter which is called Virtues. By the way, all these are very brief write-ups, maybe three pages, and all that. So I felt after studying some of these virtues, I felt the need that we should expound it much more detail for the benefit of those who are not able to come to the Wednesday evening meeting. If you can, please do come, because we will make it, uh, I'll make a presentation, if I'm not there, nobody will do that, and we'll have a discussion, and it's a way to grow our minds, not only body, not only our spirit, our mind also, At a sanctified mind has to grow, that gives us wisdom in order to face the world, the the realities of the world. I'm not going to go through all the lists of these seven virtues, so I'd like to Uh, Focus my sermon for a few weeks around this, and the first I would like to pick today is fortitude. Fortitude is a strange word for most of us, we rarely use it nowadays in modern English, but it simply means courage, the boldness. It is not simply boldness, it's not simply the courage that we normally talk about, it is more specifically. It is the moral strength that we show in situations, when the situations demand it. There are situations where there are adversities, problems, questions inside and problems outside. And we need to move forward. We need a moral strength. We talk about people whose moral fiber is weak or wrong, wicked, evil, and all that. Because that morality is what makes us people of God. So that strength, it is not just a physical strength. It is not a sort of, what you can say, an audacity, you know, to question everything. That is not what we are talking about. The fortitude means the moral courage. Now, there are times, like the psalmist in Psalm 73, 13, that we go through, we go through many times, there are sort of crises in our lives. Psalm 73, 13, the psalmist looked at the world around him, his neighborhood, the friends' circle, and there are people, the wicked people flourishing. They are buying new cars, they are buying more houses, they are dressed very well, and they, are, they have no sickness. Now that's what he is describing. And then he had a moment of a temptation when he said, all in vain have I kept my heart clean, and washed my hands in innocence. What he means is that when others were making money, becoming rich by doing corrupt practices, they were amassing wealth, and, but they are not punished. They are they are growing prosperous, more and more prosperous. Then he came to a point of a, a point where he was so desperate, and he says, "It seems as if." All in vain, I kept my heart clean. What is the use of living an innocent life, an upright life? So there are moments like that, but the psalmist will go on. If you read the rest of the psalm, the psalmist has a new vision of God, a, a very, very brand new vision of God and his righteousness and his justice. And he corrects this view, absolutely, he corrects this view. That is not the final view that he holds. But what I am just trying to illustrate is that there are moments in our lives when we look at our life and say, I am a fool because I didn't copy in the exam. I am a fool because I did not forge a good CV to get that good job. I just, but others got it because they forged, they, they gave a forged CV, a, something that is uh, manipulated, giving it a lot of lies in the CV. He got the job, I lost it. I didn't copy in the exam, I failed. There are moments like that. Fortitude is, at that circumstance, such circumstances, the moral courage to say, no, I will do what God wants me to do. The strength that we have to stand for the convictions that we have, that we have learned from the Bible that Jesus Christ has taught us. Fortitude can also be endurance. The ability to withstand. There are sometimes circumstances, sufferings. When sufferings happen in our life, our normal tendency is to give in to that suffering. The normal tendency is to give in to the, the temptations. We say just for this moment. That's it. But next day, tomorrow, I will not do it. But for the moment, to get over this difficulty, I will do it. Many times people who move in social circles, company parties, office parties, picnics, and all these places, there is 10 people, all the nine are engaged in something which is really wrong, against your conviction, against your conscience. But there are times when we are tempted, when nine are doing and I'm isolated, why can't I do it just for a day, just to keep the company, just to be to be friendly with others, that is where we lose our fortitude. Fortitude is even under trying some circumstances to stand for what we think is right. Sometimes it could be pain in life. It could be various other things. The opposite of fortitude is certainly fear. Fear. There are times when we have difficult challenges and then we give up. Because we don't have that courage, we give up, saying no, that's okay, we leave it. I don't want to explain more on that right now. But I hope you got some idea of what this virtue of fortitude is. Let's one important Christian virtue. I'd like to give you some examples from real life, so that we understand the concept much better. Now, think of the martyrs of the Christian church, hundreds of them, maybe thousands of them. They are the people who were tremendous, showed tremendous fortitude. They were given an opportunity to renounce Christian faith. When they were thrown to the lions, including Paul, St. Paul, when they were thrown to the lions, when they were tied to the stakes and oil was poured on them. and Firewood was heaped all all over them and ready to ignite it. They were given a chance to forsake the Christian faith, but they did not. What is it? Fortitude. That is what called moral strength. They said, no, we will not. But that's other side of it. There were hundreds of people who forsook, gave up. They said life is more important. I have to leave for my family. I have to live for my children. I have to live. Whichever way, I don't care. They are the people who failed in this aspect of Christian fortitude. The story doesn't end in the first century or in the second century. No, there are hundreds of people still being martyred. But they stand their ground and say, no, because they are people of fortitude. I'd like to give you two examples. There are a lot of unsung heroes, but there are sung heroes as well. Some people that you may know very well. Just to illustrate what this means to us. What does this mean? I'd like to bring two persons that some of them, some most of you may know about them. One is a woman called Joni Erickson Tada. How many of you heard this name? Yes, many of you. Some of you might have Read her book as well, and you might have seen her paintings. Johnny was become paralyzed. I think her, the name is quadriplegic or something, that means her whole body was paralyzed from neck down due to a diving accident. She dove into a uh, water without judging the, how deep it is, and she insured her neck. And when she was 18 years old, 18 years old, this woman, this this girl or lady, she's still alive. She injured her neck and became paralyzed from neck down. That's very depressing, isn't it? What would be life for her? All her dreams dashed. She can move her hands and legs. No limbs can be moved. Can hardly move her neck with a lot of pain. She went through a depression. And she was very angry at people and God particularly. Why should I suffer like this? So she was went through and she tried to kill herself. She had suicidal tendencies. Tried to kill herself many times until she found God. Her faith, fortitude. Her faith in God gave her the courage, the spiritual strength, the moral strength to stand against all the oaths of her life. You know what happened? She learned how to paint with her mouth. She also learned how to write with her mouth. And her paintings are very famous. Can I have the picture? And she wrote 40 Books plus 40 plus books. She wrote it with her mouth. This is Tony, sorry, Johnny Erickson Tada painting, holding her a, a brush in her mouth. She was no more complaining about her fate. She was no more complaining against God. She was not angry with God. She was not angry with the doctors. But she had that moral courage, the faith, the fortitude. That's one of the supreme Christian virtue. And she's still alive. She is married also. No children, obviously. But she is married. She has a person, a companion in her life. Who understands her? If you can catch, uh, uh, get hold of a book, get it. Story doesn't end there. In 2010, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. But she fought her fought a fight of faith. And she's completely cleared. She's still alive in 2016. That is what fortitude is. Fortitude is standing against all that adversities by the strength of the faith that we have In God, can you do that? Sometimes it is personal pain. Sometimes it is personal pain, suffering. But sometimes it could be systems. It could be the government. It could be the ideologies that rules the mind of the people. It could be the politics of the day. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's the second person that I would like to talk about. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor during the days of Hitler. And Hitler was cruel, He was a dictator. And we all call Hitler a bad guy now. But there was very few people in those days who called him bad. And this man, we all know know that he killed 600,000. In Indian terms, 6 lakh people, Jews. And he killed many others as well. He was a man who uh, uh, used euthanasia. Now, he did all sort of nasty things. But there were only a few voices that stood against him and said, he is wrong. This is not from God. And Dietrich offers Sunday after Sunday, got up and preached against him and said, this is not from God. This is from devil. We should resist it. The world didn't listen to him. But many people did. But... But he, he, he lost. In uh, 1943, he was arrested by Hitler. He was sent to a concentration camp. You know what is concentration camp? Now we know a lot about concentration camps from the films that we see. He lived, he was there two years in concentration camp. And then in 1945, two years after being in concentration camp, he was hanged to death by Hitler. And after six months, Hitler killed himself because he was defeated. But we killed hand him. But till the death, he stood for his faith. That's what we called fortitude. And he wrote. While in jail, he wrote. And one of the great books that he wrote, and many people still uh, is still a bestseller, is the cost of discipleship. Probably we should read it together later. Is it possible for us to have such a quality? Yes. That is what Bible says. We can. The word of God. I would like to come to the word of God now. And I would just like to leave two people. Who, through whom God speaks to us. To show this virtue of fortitude or moral courage. The first person person is Joshua, the disciple and the follower or successor of Moses. He had a huge task ahead of him. A task which took 40 years of journey and many more years. It has come to that particular point. Now the journey is over. Now all that remains is just crossing the Jordan over to the next side, but conquering cities after cities, fortified cities after cities, conquering people who have chariots and arrows, and they had none. They were all on foot and to conquer such formidable win such formidable battles. but God called him and said, "If you will return with me to." Joshua chapter 1, 6 to 9. Let me read it for you. God told him, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. That was so many years ago, almost 500 years ago, more than 400, between 400 and 500 years. I had promised your fathers that I will give you this land. Now, the fathers are gone. The first generation is dead, except him. Moses, the leader, is gone. Now they look leaders, leaderless, and these huge cities, the, the better a, a higher civilization has to be overcome. He said, Be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Being careful to do what the law, all the law that Moses mind. And then he finally. It concludes it in verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he was. Strong and courageous. Three times it is repeated in that passage. Did you notice that? The first time it says, be strong and courageous. And the second time in verse 7, it says, Just be, being careful. See, only be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. Nothing else. And finally, God tells him again, be strong and courageous. The rest is history. The rest is history. He had a task to complete and he has, there are many moments in his life where he wanted to give up. The first itself, was a huge task, uh, conquering the city of Jericho. He could have given up. The people with him were complaining all these 40 years. They were complaining, let's give up. The very first day, they started complaining. Why don't we go back now to Egypt? But pushing these people forward until they set their foot on the promised land, thus fulfilling the promise made to the fathers was the charge given to Joshua, and he did it, he did it Why? fortitude, the courage and the strength that he had, which God asked him to do, many times people give up, I have seen people giving up, people say they have a call for Christian ministry, and they come, and the first instance of some problem, they give up. Because they don't have fortitude, the moral and spiritual strength to move forward. They decide things. I will do that. But they can't because they lack fortitude. Fortitude is what makes us move on. Keep going against all adversities. Okay, Don't think this is going on the slide. It is smooth. Isn't it? No, this is going up. Climbing up against all. This is like swimming against the flow, the current. This is flying against the wind, the storm. This is actually acting, I mean, speaking against the grain maybe. Now the grain, you know, uh, against the grain, against the wind, against all that happens in life, because it's God who asked me to go, I go. Why do people give up? Christian faith. We have a lot of people who came, were excited, but they gave up. Why? They didn't have this quality, this virtue of fortitude. Some gave up because they thought it is better, life will be better if they gave up Jesus Christ. Some gave up because they thought they will have a better life if they give up this. Some gave up because they were threatened, they gave up but they all failed in showing this quality, the virtue of fortitude. Now, another person I would like to point out is St. Paul. I, I'll come to Jesus Christ in a moment. St. Paul, who imitated our Lord Jesus Christ? I don't want to elaborate on that. You know the sort of sufferings that he had to go through? He had a shipwreck. That is really bad, you know. Spending nights in the Mediterranean Sea, he had he was bitten by snake when he was recovered, when he escaped from the shipwreck from the sea. Uh, then, before that, the soldiers, the captain tried to kill him. Not only him, all of them slit their throat so that they will not run away. He escaped that. He escaped from hunger. And he moved on. He talks about being thrown to the lion. He had to fight. Animal fight. You know, the gladiator. You might have seen these pictures, you know. I love to see such pictures. Um, where gladiators fight against the lions and uh, all sort of things. Have you seen films? Yes. And you know, this man fighting against gladiator, sorry, animals and gladiators maybe. Now he had animal fight. And finally, surviving to write about it. In First Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 4 to 5, he talks about in Ephesus, he had to fight against animals. He says, OK, uh, God commanded in every way, by great endurance, in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, Sleepless nights, hunger, and the list goes on. Keep going. That list keep going. And, but, I used to wonder, I used to imagine. Now, I had, I was, I had an opportunity, privilege to visit one of these, uh, what do you call, uh, arenas. I, I just had been there, I visited it. And I could see the cages where they keep lions, and how they release them and the people sitting there, 5,000 people, you know, spectators. And I could imagine Paul, that it is not, that is not the arena where he fought, it was an Ephesus, You know, this man probably was a hunch on the back. Probably one eye was partially his, in one eye he was partially blind, Paul. Think of that man fighting against the lion and surviving. If you were in that place, if you knew that you are going to be thrown into the lion and you have like to fight, will you do? No. Right. What if they say, if you don't renounce your faith? they will throw you to a um, German Shepherd. Pretty sure we will give up. Most of us, if the Lord is not with us, would give up if somebody says that I will throw you to a pussy cat, That's the sort of courage that I have. But this man, probably partially blind, physically weak, because of a hunch maybe, we don't know exact conditions, but he's still dead. Dead. Because the grace that he received, he says, I am what I am, because of the grace that is apportioned to me, and his grace towards me was not in vain. To be a Christian, at 18 and to die maybe at 90 as a Christian requires Lord of Fortitude. You, you, did you hear what I said? If you came to know the Lord at 18 and still to be a believer in Jesus Christ a follower of Jesus Christ even at 80 requires this grace. Otherwise we will give up. Praise God. But pray that we are today, not because that we have the tremendous fortitude, but because we have the grace. That is why Paul says, you know, his life is what? In 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, his life is not real life. His life is not drama. His life is not many moments of excitement. His life is not a life in the limelight. His life is not life with head in the clouds. He says, my life is a fight, a constant fight. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I kept the faith. It was always, he was always on the run. He was always going up. Against all the walls, but he says, My life is a fight. That is true. Not only his life, our life too. Our life sometimes may be a constant fight against sickness in our life. But not giving up is what is fortitude. Our life sometimes may be a life of paucity and maybe poverty. We may not have everything that we need to have in our life, but still holding on in that circumstances. That is what is fortitude. It's a fight. Believing not that tomorrow will be better. Believing in the present, the Lord is with me. That is what fortitude is. The other is called prosperity. You no, know, whether tomorrow is better or bad, I don't care. In the, my today now, I have the Lord with me and I will stand. I will not give up. In the time of sickness, in the time of threat, in the time of poverty, that is what Paul told Timothy and to all of us, fight the good fight of faith in 1 Timothy 6.12. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many Finally, let me come to, I didn't talk about Jesus Christ. He's a supreme example. The reason why I did not mention him, not because he didn't show fortitude, is that he came for a mission. he, He. We all know it. But why I'm saying that is that it is possible for an ordinary human being. That is why I left out our Lord Jesus Christ from this example. You may say that because he is divine, he was able to do it. Because he was son of God, he was able to do it. But I just left him out for a, with a purpose that to just to prove that yes, ordinary human beings, it's just a lump of clay, weak human beings, we can do it by the strength of God, the power of God. Finally, I would like to talk about where does this come from, fortitude come from, the foundation of fortitude. The foundation of fortitude is not willpower. It is not our strength. It is not anything else. But it is faith. Faith in our God. Let me give you three examples of it. How does faith help us when we have situations where we want to give up? Faith in God helps us in various ways. First of all, it helps us because we have the promise of God's abiding presence with us. The tremendous presence of God. God has assured us. Now Paul, I'm trying to get into the mind of Paul, St. Paul. Probably when he was arrested and when they said that on the third day or day after tomorrow, you will be thrown to the lions, he slept peacefully. Now that is what he did in the jail in Philippi. He slept peacefully. And singing songs. Not only him, Peter did that too. See, why did they do that? Because the promise of God's abiding presence. Will you please turn with me to John fourteen eighteen? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's an amazing promise of not only to who are literally orphans, but who many times think we are orphaned, we are left out. Nobody is with us. Nobody is caring for us. Nobody is interested in us. When we think of such situations and wanted to give up to the pressures that are on us, the promise of God abides. I will not leave you. S yes? There are lots and lots of orphans in this world. There are a lot of literally orphans in the church. But there is nobody, no orphans. When they come to God, they have God as their father and Jesus as their brother and friend. Brothers and sisters, have you ever thought about that? When, it, when darkness surrounds us, when confusion Overwhelms and overtakes us. Have you ever seen this hand of God in our lives? Now we develop for fortitude because of assured success. Another important aspect of our faith. Faith assures success. Romans 16:20. Faith Make sure, promises us that God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We are promised success. Ultimately, in this struggle, when we have to hold on to certain things, some adversities face that we have this promise that everything God will bring We'll crush it under our feet. And people of God have done it. Read the book of Psalms. Talks about adversities and pain and suffering in very gloomy words. Dark pictures. But the other side of it is, these people survived. That is why we have those those Psalms. Because otherwise, if they perished in their adversity, they would not have survived to leave that. To write it. But they wrote it. They sang it. Because God says he he has promised us a third aspect of it. A third aspect is that is we'll have no temptation, no adversity, which is greater than the strength that God has given us. This nothing is no adversity. Take adversity and our own problems, our, our own situation, our strength to face it. God assures us that it will be as is direct proportion, in direct proportion to our strength. If the adversity requires 12 horsepower to overcome it, make sure that please believe that God has already given you more than 12 host powers to face it. We need to realize it. We simply need to realize it. Now one of the things that I enjoyed was, you remember our red tracks, Jeffen's vehicle, which we had for a while. And everybody said this will not run, but I believed it will. I always believed it will. They looked at the body, the rusted part of it, it's worn out tires, and the sound it makes, and the timing takes to start, and everybody said this is absolutely useless. But I believed the engine. I believed it. And we used it until its license ran out, because it was dangerous to take it out on the road. Until then, and it went to scrap metal dealer. That's fine. But you have to believe, just as I believed, maybe a little silly example that I'm giving. It climbed mountains. We took it to right? We took it wherever, and I used to drive it in UBS, and I used to make it uh, climb where there is no road. I made my own way, and I took people, and they really enjoyed that ride, the the adventurous ride in it, because there is power in it which many people didn't recognize. Many people didn't recognize tremendous power that is there. That is how circumstances are. No temptation, no temptation can we have 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation have overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Some people say, no, I can't stand it. No, that is simply because you don't know that you are able by the grace of God. But with temptation, he will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Where I grew up, in rural Kerala, we had a blacksmith. And I used to pass by his house. And I used to see him. Sometimes I go and uh, get my, our knives and some work we may have. Sometimes I used to see, go and see him. We sit there. And this old fashioned thing. He has a, what do you call, a furnace. And he makes tools, implements for the villages, the people all around him. And uh, sometimes it would be, uh, what do you call, it? the shoe for the horseshoe-like things, for the uh, cow and buffaloes and oxen, or it may be sickles or whatever it is. And he will put this, the big iron, piece of iron into the furnace. And I used to watch it. This gray stuff or a black stuff gets really hot, really hot, red hot. And then if you keep it little more in the fire, in the furnace, and he will be fanning it. And I used to help him also sometimes. Now I used to say, I really enjoyed you know, this, what is that what is it called? Uh, the fan, you know, to make this go. So there's a handle. So he just roll, rotate it. So I say, Uncle, I will do it for you. And I used to enjoy it, but I watched the fire. But this man is knows how much it can, heat it can stand. Before it melts, before it liquefies, you'll take it out and put it in water and put it back again to make it hot again. But he will never allow it to melt. He took it out before its melting point. But it was hot. But that small piece of iron turned into a beautiful tool later. That's what God does. But if the iron refuses to be in the heat, in the fire, iron will never become a beautiful tool, ever. Fortitude is the iron's willingness to be there, knowing that the other end is in the hands of this great smith. He is holding the other end. He will pull me out the right time. That is what (coughs) faith is. And finally, let me conclude with a promise from the word of God found in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. Keep yourself from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Living without a lot of money is an amazing journey it's an amazing journey. I will, when I have a chance to write my biography, I will write that. That is, he said, free from the love of money. If you are working overnight, just because you, want, you think love of money, a lot of money will make you happy, I pity you. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's enough. That's enough. That God promises that in all circumstances and in all situations, we will never leave you nor forsake you. Brothers and sisters, we have to come to a level. We have to grow to a level where we say, God is enough. He's sufficient. Nothing more than that. When we come to that point, we say, if I die, I die. Because nobody can kill me. Because if I die, I'll be there. If I suffer sickness, that's fine. Because in my sickness, I will see the beautiful face of Jesus. I'll experience his tremendous grace. It's okay If I don't have sort of money, I will not worry. Quite a lot of money, I will not worry. Because I have the promise of God that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Fortitude comes from trust in God. Fortitude comes when we surrender ourselves to the plan of God, the will of God. And as we sang in the last song, we are going to repeat it again. God is good. Can I have the song on the screen before we sing it? Look at that Lines again and again and again. I didn't suggest this song. Because there's a tremendous unity of spirit in this church. We pray every Saturday for it. You know, I, today morning, I thought, when I finished it yesterday night, my sermon finalized, I thought I should have suggested some songs. I did But when this last song was sung, see, look at this. I saw that there's a tremendous spiritual unity here. What I was going to preach about and what they were singing, God is good all the time it, one thing is one thing to believe it is another thing to act on that faith is still another thing though the darkest night his light will shine God is good God is good all the time if you really believe that in the dark moments that you are going through now, if you believe in God, the light is going to shine you believe that the worst situations that you face now God is still good though the situations are bad would please stand up and confess your faith